now, here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Welcome back to the Dharmic Evolution, everybody. It is so good to have you guys here with me today. And we're gonna celebrate a reunion with a very, very dear friend, close friend of mine who I admire so much. And um, this lady has made history. And 2019, yes, she became the first matriarch and co-presiding archbishop of the worldwide Anglican Church, which was formerly the African Orthodox Church, founded in 1921. She's an archbishop, and she was enthroned on May 30th in Huila, Colombia, South America. You better strap up your seatbelts, because we're taking a ride today on the Dharmic Evolution with Archbishop Dr. Christine Mercy Johnson. The most reverend, Dr. Christine J.A. Mercy Johnson. Unbelievable. You have done so many things, and it's so good to reconnect with you, and I want to welcome you and wish you a belated happy birthday all at the same time on the Dharmic Evolution today. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be with you again today and to be with all of your your listeners, and, and thank you. I had a wonderful birthday I, I have to say it was probably my best ever. I just felt this outpouring of love and prayers. It was awesome. So yeah, I'm I'm 54 now. Oh, I was going to say it's amazing what happens when you turn 27, but you're 54, so you're <laughs> double that. Yeah, I thought you were double nickel, but you're not. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. And Thank you. you know, I don't know I don't know where to start because you um your content, your past your resume, all the things, you, you're just perpetual energy in motion your entire life. And um, why don't we start with the most current things that have happened to you over the past, like, you know, 24 months or so, and just bring everyone up to speed on what's happened with, um, with uh, your ministry, both Mercy Worldwide Ministries, and also your new coronation. Congratulations on that as well. Can you take us down that path and let people know um, about your church and what your responsibilities are to this church. Absolutely. Well, I had a very uh, a big ministry called Mercy Worldwide uh, Ministries Anglican Church. Uh, I was raised uh, in the Church of England. So after becoming ordained uh, several years ago, um, I formed Mercy Worldwide Ministries Anglican Church. Um, and over the course of the last two years, I have been in dialogue with the Worldwide Anglican Church, which was formerly the African Orthodox Church. It was founded in 1921, so we're coming up for our anniversary. Um, this particular church had never had uh, any women within it, either as a deacon, priest or bishop. So it was a, a historical moment for the House of Bishops uh, when they uh, asked uh, my church to merge with them. And at that point, um, we did that uh, after a, a lot of fasting and prayer and very serious discussion. So in February of this year, um, I was uh, brought in as the matriarch, as the spiritual mother of the worldwide Anglican Church. Our churches merged. 
Um, and then on May the 30th, I was formally installed, enthroned in Wheeler, Colombia in South America, which was my choice. I could have been enthroned anywhere in the world, but I wanted to highlight um, the amazing work and ministry and churches in South America, which is why I chose there. And then uh, formally on August the 1st, I became the co-presiding bishop um, alongside uh, the most reverend uh, Christopher Lawanga Tusebera, who is in Uganda. So it's so exciting because um, I am so proud because all of our churches around the world, and we're truly global, all of our churches serve in the most economically challenged communities. Um, for instance, uh, some of our churches in Africa very much deal with, in Sudan, with the refugee crisis. So we are very involved uh, on a grassroots level with all of our communities. So I'm so proud because we are, we are now uh, gearing up to uh, our centenary in, um, on 28th of September, my birthday, ironically in uh, 2021 um, and we have churches as I say all over the world India Africa Europe uh, the United States of America South America including Brazil and Peru and Colombia I mean it's huge huge church um, I recently ordained um, female priests and female deacons but uh, as of at the moment I am the only female uh, bishop, archbishop in the church. So I'm the spiritual mother and um, it's it's such a, a huge honour and um, I am very happy to be sort of instrumental in, um, in the introduction of women. Uh, I know in the Anglican Communion, which is the Church of England, um, they uh, do have female bishops, but they uh, don't have a female archbishop. Although having said that, in the Episcopal Church, which is uh, an arm of the Anglican Communion, they do have uh, a presiding bishop in Canada and a presiding bishop in Australia. But they have countries, whereas I'm all over the world. So um, being one of only three female archbishops in the world in the Anglican tradition is, um, is, is just... Uh, fantastic, wonderful, so exciting, and and I should say a huge, huge burden. Um, it's a huge responsibility to have so many churches to uh, take care of, but it's an honour, and I do it with as much humility as I and love as I can. You do that so well, and you know, I want to ask a couple of things. Um, Number one, I want to ask, like, how many collectively churches um, are there under this this umbrella? And also, um, the challenges of being a woman um, in, in that church historically has been very traditional with men. Like, it's overpopulated with men. It was always men doing everything. And now, uh, with this, this opportunity comes the challenges of being a woman but what are what are the good sides of that so so how many churches and the challenges and how you see as this as an opportunity or an advantage instead of a challenge 
Okay, great questions. Uh, well, within the Anglican tradition, there are millions of followers, millions, um, and many thousands of churches. Uh, and we are part of that very ancient tradition um, with, you know, alongside those thousands of churches. So that's, um, it, it's a huge, uh, huge honor. Um, Yes, traditionally, um, we are the Anglican Church. For those of you who are unfamiliar with it, we're very Catholic in many respects. If we go back to the history of Henry VIII in my in my birth country, he wanted to get divorced, as many of you know. And as, a, as with the Catholic Church uh, uh, sort of presiding over that, he was not able to do that. So he kind of rebelled and formed the Church of England. Um, so it's always been very contentious. Um, but um, yes, um, there, it, it, it has always been um, f for men. And I respect um, the uh, people in the world who believe that it should only be for men. Having said that, um, there are passages within the word that talks about we're neither Jew nor Gentile nor female nor male. And so the Lord is, and it's his church that the, the church um, a, a universal church, uh, apostolic Catholic church, is um, is changing. It's growing. It's evolving, and it belongs to the Lord. And He is obviously perfectly entitled to do whatever He chooses to do at any given uh, point in history. Um, I don't know. I always say I don't know why I was. Uh, anointed and appointed by God at this time to do this, but I was, um, and it is being confirmed by many people. So uh, it's not my uh, place to uh, question uh, why God has chosen me at this time. It's just to be faithful, obedient, and do the job that is needed. Um, so, and again, I, I can't come up with the reason other than something that is said to me on a regular basis and that is unfortunately in so many churches and I don't need to name them because everybody knows who I'm referring to um, there has been so much controversy and scandal and horrendous pain caused not only to children uh, by priests and bishops within those churches, but also to women uh, and to nuns. And I mean, obviously, yes, we know nuns are women, but I'm going to categorize it slightly differently because in the Catholic faith, uh, a priest uh, is not able to marry. He has to be celibate. And that's one of the vows of, uh, of poverty and celibacy that he takes. So uh, right or wrong, whether we agree or we don't agree, um, it is a uh, it is a calling for them, and and they choose that. Um, and so, women typically have always been able to be nuns. I know that there is dialogue within some churches for a woman to be elevated, perhaps to a deacon. But in the Anglican Church, uh, as I said before, women are starting to be elevated to at least the level of a bishop. I think the advantage that I have as a woman, particularly in my passionate ministry, which is uh, hospice, um, I am able to hold men, obviously appropriately, women and children um, in a way that a man can't. 
if a man was to embrace a child the way that I do, um, people would question it. They would be uncomfortable and nervous. And sadly, sadly, because the vast, vast majority of priests, deacons and bishops, male, um, are, are phenomenal men of God. Um, and, and the last thing they would do would be to ever hurt anybody, least of all a child. But sadly, sadly, the reality is people do look and do feel uncomfortable. So I don't get that uh, being a woman. And that helps me so much to be that tender, um, that tender mother to the tender lambs, which we refer to as children, and to the sheep and the, and the, and, and the older ones. I'm able to comfort them. I'm able to talk to women in ministry in a way that a man just can't. Um, I'm able to correct them and to guide them with what is and is not appropriate for women to wear and say and do in their lives. A man can't do that. So I, I believe that God is really... Um, uh, opening the doors uh, within the church for appropriately trained and educated women. Um, I want to. I want to just. I'm sorry. I want to just circle back and ask you about being British, as you are. Um, the really, I didn't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I just took a guess there. Uh, you know, <laughs> good one. The Church of England. Now you mentioned like. Um, I think it was Henry VIII, you said, who who said, you know, I'm done with this. I'm going to start my own, you know, version of religion. And, and here's where I'm going with this. People getting tripped up between religion and God. And I always say they're not really synonymous. You know, religion is kind of man-made in many aspects. And, you know, God didn't take every single religion out there and create it and to, you know, and confuse us. We kind of did a lot of that on our own. So my experience as having a lot of British um, singer-songwriters on uh, this show, I get the feeling in general, and this does not apply to everybody, that there's kind of a flatness when it comes to talking about the Spirit of God. There's kind of a sort of like a, you know, we just don't go there type of thing. And, and again, this is, this is just my general experience. And, um, you know, I'm very open about expressing, you know, who I am as a Christian man and a, a Christian singer-songwriter. Um, but do you find that, and how do you put yourself in a position to reach those type of communities across the globe who have gotten tripped up with getting confused by religion and not being straightened out by the Spirit of God and how to connect to the Lord in a more readily uh, accessible way. Can you speak to that and, and help some people out with that? Yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing uh, question. You know, I always um, say when it comes to all of the different uh, denominations, whether it's Anglican, Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Wesleyan, we could go on and on right. and on and on. To me, in many respects, they are uh, an expression of cultural uh, differences because um, in England, 
Um, we always traditionally had the Church of England, uh, the Methodist Church, etc. Um, so really, um, you tend to find where you go to different cultures around the world. And I travel, as you know, a great deal around the world. Um, depending upon where they live and um, and the, the community that they were raised in, there is kind of a way of expressing their faith. Um, some people are not comfortable with what I call high mass, which I am because that's how I was raised. I love Eucharist. I, I love all of the rich traditional, <clears throat> excuse me, customs that and, and, and ways of uh, expressing our faith within the, um, within the Anglican tradition. I love it. Um, and but, I think but a why? lot of it depends. But, but, but why? Because, why? Because, you, because you had experience with that as a young lady? Is that why you think it was? that you? I think so, perhaps. Yeah. But also, I'm a very structured person. As you know, right. I'm very disciplined. I'm very self-controlled. Oh, so yes. I like to know what I'm supposed to do at any given time. And, and I think one of the major differences, and I'm going to answer the other part of your question in a moment, but the one of the major, major differences between the traditions is how you look at the Eucharist. For Anglicans and for uh, Catholics, we believe that when we conduct the Holy Eucharist or Holy Communion as it is known, we believe in the transubstantiation. In other words, we believe that the bread and the wine is the body, is transformed into the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I take that so seriously, so seriously. And so as a, obviously an archbishop, but I'm a priest, I walk in the office of an archbishop, but I am a priest, bottom line. As a priest, there is nothing more important to me than the Eucharist in terms of the service. Other churches see it as a symbol, that they, they, they um, respect it, love it, uh, partake in it, um, gain much strength and, and, and confidence and a close relationship with the Lord seeing it that way. Um, and that's fine. I respect that. Um, James, I always say that my job as a priest is to take you from the steeple to the cross. It's not to take you to the steeple as in the church, because the church is not a, a building per se. We are the church. We are the right. body. It is to take you to the cross. And the cross of Calvary is where we find our hope where we find our joy, where we find our salvation, and where we find our resurrection power. And so it's so important that people get so caught up in um, religious dialogue of um, that it's so confusing, and they forget, they forget that the most important thing is to understand that our Lord and Savior um, was not a myth. It's not a God with a little God. He did live. Uh, he did perform all the amazing miracles because there were so many witnesses. He did die on our behalf. He was dead for three days. He rose again, was, was witnessed by hundreds of people, and then eventually ascended into heaven. And then the Holy Spirit, which is an 
aspect of Jesus and God, the Trinity as we call it, came down to reside within us. Um, and um, it's just important that people remember, I think the most important thing, and we may touch on why I know this to be true in a moment, but what is so important is that we are all unique. There is no one like you or me or anyone else. We are unique. We come from heaven through our mothers to earth and then eventually, please God, we return home. Our job here on earth, it has several functions. Firstly, it is to um, prayerfully and um, joyfully find out what our gifts are. I'm not talking of our DNA genetics uh, inherited attributes from our parents. I'm talking about gifts that God instilled within us before we were sent here. And through education and apprenticeship trades, etc., hobbies, interests, we gather over a period of time all kinds of things that we enjoy doing, that, that we feel is our strength, so to speak. And then we are to take that uh, and we are to use that not only for the glory of God, but we are to use those gifts to help each other. That's the whole purpose of everything. We are here to glorify God and we are here to help one another, to be loving, to be compassionate, to be gentle and kind. Um, I always say that a stranger is a family member that I haven't yet met. Right. I can go anywhere in the world. I'm not among strangers. Everybody is either my brother or my sister in the Lord. Uh, and I truly believe that. So there's a very fine line because people say, well, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. So I go, okay, define what you mean by spiritual. Because if we are not careful, we can then start walking in all, all kinds of new age um, uh, and other practices that uh, are not um, Christian practices uh, and they are not uh, of any, uh, any sort of traditional religion uh, or organization. I have no problem saying I'm religious. I am very religious. Uh, can um, I stop you for one second there? I sure. just I just want to touch touch on a couple of things. So, mm -hmm. first of all, let me address the first one, which you just said about people saying, and I get this all the time because I do a lot of yoga, and people that do yoga are from all different belief systems, and a lot of people throw around the word. I talk to if the universe says it's okay, it's okay. But a lot of them, I feel in my heart and mind, they're afraid to use the word God. Like some of them mean it, but they think, well, maybe that's socially not acceptable. So I don't want to say God. So there's that piece um, where you got to get people over that threshold of saying, you know, you got to, if you're curious enough and you want the relationship, you have to take a step towards that. So I want to circle back to what you said about celebrating the Eucharist. As a young girl, you felt it was very, very important and very influential in your thinking to say, this is something so special. I just, I just get it. My experience was being raised as a young Irish Catholic boy and going to parochial school. As much as that was a freaking nightmare for me, I loved the stories of Jesus. And it was like, 
here's something that is just, if you're going to aspire to be like somebody in the world, it's not going to be Captain America for me. It's like Jesus Christ has it all like together. He's going around healing people. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's wise. He's, he's brilliant. And he's God. Yeah. So what I'm trying to get to is how, as you as a spiritual leader, as a woman of God, how can you uh, counsel others to get people over that threshold of taking the first step? Because I feel there's a tremendous amount out there that are curious and want to do that. They just don't know how to do it. How, did they, how do you get them to that first experience where they finally say, I found a connection and I want to, I want to embellish that. I want to go get closer to it. How do we do that? Well, there's a part A and there's a part B. So part A, I'm going to give you the priest answer. Okay. Part B, I'm going to speak from my heart. Um, okay, so talking as a priest, um, you know, the most important thing about our relationship with uh, Father God is it's a relationship. It's a relationship. Right. And with any relationship, if you don't talk to that person and listen, to what they have to say. Your relationship is going to be very contentious at best um, and null and void at worst. And so I tend to find that when people are feeling kind of um, disconnected from God, it's because they don't spend time with him. And people say, well, how am I supposed to hear him? I mean, does he talk? I mean, I can't hear him. Yes, he does but it's a still small voice inside of you. The Holy Spirit resides inside of you. And when you spend time with him, either reading the Bible, and there's loads and loads of um, amazing uh, booklets out there to to teach you and guide you. I personally, my students all read um, a, a commentary from Dr. David Jeremiah, which is very helpful for them. Um, but but it's all about spending quality time, not five minutes. We'll fit God. We'll fit God in in the morning. Five minutes, at best. No, it's quality time sitting with Him. As a little girl, I used to go into church, and my mother would have to call the vicar of that church and say, you know, you don't shut the church up because Christine's in there somewhere, and she's so tiny, as you know, you're not going to be able to find her. I loved sitting in church. I would talk to the Lord all the time. I would. I was such an innocent little lamb, so to speak. I just wanted to hear him, and one day, uh, several years after uh, I began that and my grandmother died, I began to hear that still small voice. Uh, and, and now uh, that I have been uh, a Christian for uh, 53 years, um, I was uh, uh, not for my first year because I was in an orphanage. So I was too young to know anyway, but um, I, I take my faith. Um, and you notice I didn't say I take my religion. I said, right. I take my faith very Seriously, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it talks about these three things remain, faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. You really get close to the Lord when you put yourself out of the way 
and you start to take care of others. When you reach out to the homeless, the poor, the dying, the sick, the afraid, when you are with them and you allow that, that Christ consciousness, that love to move through you, move through you, you can feel the presence of the Lord. Uh, and it's not a case of you walk away from doing a, a good deed and go, oh, aren't I a fantastic person? Look what I did. I just have. No, no. You say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, every morning before I even get out of bed, I, I, I sit up in my bed and I ask the Lord, I, I thank him for another day, but I always say to him, Father, help me, help me to be a blessing to somebody today. Help me to be a blessing to somebody. And I keep myself completely open for that, to be able to be of comfort uh, or practical help. So that was my part A question. Okay. My, part, my part A to your question. My part B is yeah. me talking from my heart. How do I know? How do I know that God and our Lord and the Holy Spirit is real? How do I know? I'll tell you how I know. In 1989, I was 24 years old. I had a, uh, a child that was one. And uh, I, was, I was singing. Um, it was just before Christmas. I was fit, healthy, didn't have a flu injection because I figured in my utter arrogance that I was so fit and well that I, I wasn't going to get sick. Well, as the day progressed on this particular Sunday, um, I got sicker and sicker. And uh, to cut a very long story short, as the day uh, progressed, I got worse and worse. And at 7 p.m. that night, I was pronounced dead. Um, I had contracted um, uh, bacterial meningitis um, and um, I, I died. I mean, died, dead, died, not just an out-of-body experience. I died. And um, when I came out of my body, I remember looking at myself trying to get people's attention and then going, whoa, 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 what is this? And then I saw a light. People talk of a light. I saw a light, but it wasn't like a tunnel light. It was an angel. Now, that was a shock to me because I had always figured that angels were, I don't know, some kind of fictional thing. I had really not given it much thought. I'd certainly never seen one before. And this angel did not have wings. Um, contrary to popular belief, the angels that come to earth do not have wings. Okay. Um, so I said to him, and it was a male, and just this amazingly beautiful light. I said, am, am, I, am I dead? And he said, no, it is not possible for a human being to die. You live forever there or you live forever there, but you do not die. And so when I talk about this, it's important to think about this, that if you were to have, God forbid, a leg or an arm amputated today, if you had to have a limb amputated, yes, you'd go through re re rehabilitation, but would you still be you? Yeah, we're not defined by our arms and our legs. And if you were to donate a kidney, would you still be you? Yes. So I call death the ultimate amputation. Death is the ultimate amputation. 
because your body is is there and you, the driver of that car, so to speak, gets out of it. Um, I was taken rapidly, which I guess why people talk about a tunnel, because it was very rapid. I was taken through this area, which I will never forget, the screaming, the smell is something that I will never forget. Um, people would call that hell. Um, I just know it's a place I never want to go to. And then I was taken to these amazing, just amazing, I call it a gate. It's not really a gate so much as it is like this huge opening. Um, I could hear the most amazing, amazing singing. Alleluia, alleluia. It was like Psalm 150. It was, it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. And then I was stopped. I knew that there was someone behind me. I didn't know who it was. And then I was shown my life moment by moment by moment by moment. Not how I remember it at all, but from the perspective of everybody else could ever be in my life every moment so for instance um, we may see a homeless person you have a choice you could walk past and ignore them you could walk past and hurl abuse you can walk past and just throw a coin at them you could sit down and say to them how can I help you um, every conversation that we have is recorded so, for instance, you may have a friend who's just bought a new dress and it makes her look really fat. And if she says to you, does this make me look fat? You may say, oh, no, 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 absolutely not. You look great in your mind and in your heart because you know you have just lied. And you may well be thinking, oh, my God, did she not like look in the in the mirror before she <laughs> she left the house? <laughs> that is what is shown to you. That is what is shown to you. And there were so many situations where I had lost a baby uh, and I was in uh, the restroom in England holding my child and there was this nurse helping me. Um, and when I came out, my husband at the time, I said to him, you know, Ruth was so kind. She helped me. He said, there was no one in there with you. Yeah, there was. There was a nurse. She helped me. There was no one in there with you. No one. When I died, I saw that she was an angel that had been sent to help me. So this was a, 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 an amazing experience at the end of all of that, where I don't think it's possible to be more humbled and, and almost ashamed of, of, of my life. Not that I had done anything terrible, needless to say. I, like everybody, am guilty uh, of the things that I think uh, and feel from time to time. So when my, the account of my life had been shown to me, the presence that was behind me came forwards and he stood in front of me and looked up and he said, I know her. She is one of mine. And I knew that that was the Lord Jesus. I knew. They say that the shepherd knows, that the sheep knows the sound of the shepherd. The shepherd knows the sheep. I knew who that was. I knew. I knew. And then I, I, I remember um, feeling, is this it? Am I, am I coming through now? And I was given a vision of the other side, which was, that's a whole show in of itself. It was so beautiful, just so, so beautiful. Um, at that point, a hand came down. Now, when I say a hand, 
does it look like a hand that we have if you look down right now at your hand? No, but it's similar. It's light. It's energy. It's energy that came and it touched the left-hand side of my cheek. That has never left me. That has never left me in 30 years. I can feel the hand of God on my left cheek like it happened a second ago. It was so amazing. It was so amazing. And then the Lord um, told me that he was sending me back. And because I had been there a long time, understand that time on earth and time in heaven is not the same. Um, that I would be very ill for a long time and I would struggle. But eventually, eventually, I would be able to walk and to, to, to move on with my life. And at that point, he was going to send me to the United States of America, where I was to work, to go through seminary, to go through training of every kind. He talked to me about how he was going to form um, a, a, a tool. We call it social media. This tool is not for us to be posting our stupid stories about this hair and this, this, that, and everything else, and you know how I'm feeling today. It is for the glory of God, and it is to fulfill the prophecy where it said, "When the Lord comes, uh, no one is going to be able to stand there and say, I 'I didn't know. Nobody ever talked to me about you, Lord.'" So we are on a, a train journey right now to ensure that everybody in the world, everybody in the world has the opportunity to hear the good news of, uh, of uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I was given very specific um, uh, visions of my future. Plus, he said to me, when you turn 50 years old, I will take the reins of your life. I will take the reins of your life. You won't even recognize your life. And my goodness, that is a gross understatement. My life uh, changed dramatically. And then he said one final thing, which I want you all to hear. Please hear me. You're going to hear my voice, but this is not me. This comes from God. He said to tell you, I love you. I love you. I love you. And then he sent me back. I uh, went through a series of strokes and uh, seizures and I couldn't walk and all of these uh, issues. I had to go on steroids and God knows how many other pills. And I went from um, 120 pounds to 325 pounds really fast. And so I, when people talk about the challenges of being obese, I've been there, done that. I've, I've had that challenge. And at my mother's funeral, while I was doing the eulogy, at that point, the Lord spoke through me and said, you will be in America tomorrow. And I was. Um, and over the course, you asked me at the beginning of the show to talk about the last 24 months and how have I evolved well, I have gone now. I am now a size four, six clothes. So the Lord has given me the discipline, the self-control, the doctors, the medication. I'm off all of that. He has given me everything I need to get all of that weight off 
to get down to a size four, six. And it isn't so much about where what I look like. I really don't care about that, but it's how I feel. Um, <laughs> as a priest, we have to be lively. I'm traveling all over the world. I have to be fit and healthy. And so um, we Christians, particularly those of us in God's army, I, I call us generals if we're archbishops, bishops, um, but, but those of us in God's army, we have to be fit and healthy because we have to be able to do the work. And you can't do the work if you're struggling with addictions and weight issues. So that's a huge transformation too, when the Lord really is in your life. Um, you are able to conquer all kinds of issues and concerns and, uh, and sadnesses um, and, and get your life on track and in perspective. So I am now a very fit and healthy priest, thankfully. <laughs> But it was an amazing experience. And that's how I don't sit here wondering, is the Bible real? Does God really exist? Um, is this just a fairy tale? No, no, it's not. God is our father. He is extremely real. And when you are here on earth, you have two choices to either be with him or not, to be with him or to be separated from him. You cannot make that decision when you die. And as none of us know when we're going to die, that's a decision, the most important decision, the most important decision is where are your alliances? Are you with the Lord or you're not? It's real easy for me to see when somebody's a Christian or not. Simple. I, I, I can see not by what they say because talk is cheap. I know if somebody loves the Lord. I know if they're genuine by their actions. How do they treat other people? How do they do that? Are they judgmental? Are they critical? Um, it's, it's astonishing to me how many people profess to be Christians and that they are some of the meanest, meanest, yeah. especially clergy, you the know, meanest yeah. people I've ever met in my life. Yes. Mean. I, I've had some experience with that myself. Yeah. We're supposed to be loving. Christ was loving. Do I get angry? Yes. Yes, because there are times when I have to discipline people and correct them. Well, even even Jesus got angry in Absolutely. the temple, right? And I hate anyone who hates him. I hate I, I, any anyone anything that hates him. We are told not to like them. I will I I I will always be a general for the Lord. Um, and that means that you say I'm like a train that's race 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 race. Of course, I I have a lot to do. Um, there's no time to be sitting watching daytime TV and all of that. As a priest in particular, my job is to care for those in need. Um, and so, yes, I travel a lot and I go to places no one else wants to go to. Right. And that's fine by me. Well, I want to just uh, just par pause for just one second and say uh, a personal thank you uh, to you for you actually influenced me in a big way to be um, to look at people who are, you know, less fortunate. Um, and it's just like, I, I was kind of ambivalent about the whole thing until, you know, we had had conversations about this and it just became a big part of my life. So uh, again, it's the influence and this story that you're, you're telling us, uh, people need to hear these things to start to um, not just question their own integrity, but like find out what kind of muscles have I been dormant with that, that God gave me the ability to do things I'm just not doing. I'm just not paying attention. And I think now's a good time to play your film. Would you be up for that, Your Grace? Absolutely. 
okay for you video lovers, especially on uh, YouTube, when you check out this show, uh, check it out. Here she is, Archbishop Dr. Christine Mercy Johnson.
amazing video. Let me ask you about, because um, we're, we're, this is going so fast, we're going to need like three interviews to, to do this. So um, just in parting, what can you share with people about, first of all, your aspirations for the next, like, say, 12 to 24 months? Like, what do you have in your heart with the church, things that you want to do? And also, you know, personally, how you're feeling about you know, where you are in your life, it sounds like you're just, you know, you're just thriving in what you're doing. You're, you're, you were, you were actually designed for this purpose. And it's like the shoe has finally fit like perfectly, you know, it's just, you're just in the right place. So how do you look out at the next chapters of your life? Um, and what are, what are your most profound wishes for others who haven't really, who, like I said, are curious but want to know more, what can you share with all of, all of us? Great questions. Um, I, for, on a personal level, don't look ahead other than today. Mm-hmm. A, a one phone call can change my life. And I don't mean that to be glib. I'm actually serious with you. I live one day at a time. Um, and, and all I want to do is to serve the Lord um, by being there for other people it's so important to me to make sure that anyone that at least in my area does not die alone i i will go on the streets i will go wherever i need to to sit with somebody so they don't die alone that's so important for me um and to teach and to guide and to to do all i can to support my deacons my priests my bishops our church and and all christians I'm here to care for everybody with love and compassion and kindness. That's all. I I don't have any other aspirations other than that. Uh, I I believe that when I was sent back in 1989, uh, I was sent to do a job and to do, and it's my calling. Ministry is not my career. I don't have a career. I have a calling. And this is what I do 24-7. Anything else is kind of um, secondary to that. Um, As far as the Worldwide Anglican Church is concerned, as we move forward towards our centenary, my job is to honour our forefathers back in 1921. It's a huge responsibility to to understand that their dream, their hope, their willingness to to obey God is still standing today, nearly 100 years later. And I take that very seriously. And so we will continue to to teach and train our, our, our clergy. Um, and we will continue to support the communities that we're in. And if the Lord gifts us with more, we will accept that gift and love them in the same way that we love everybody else. Um, we are such a tight, tight group. Uh, we all speak to each other uh, in the morning, at night. We're, we're, we're very loving uh, towards each other. I, I love that. It's very supportive. Um, and, and that's it in a nutshell, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I, I know people say to me, well, don't you wish to be happy and this and that? I am happy. Okay, I'm happy. I'm fine. Everything's great in my life. I'm good. Um, I am surrounded by so much love. I, I am surrounded with people who pray for me, who hold me uh, in their heart and their thoughts. And that's, that's what more could I want? If I don't have something, it clearly means I don't need it. Because if I do need something, the Lord always provides. So I always say to him, please just give me wisdom. I, I don't need most things, but I do need wisdom. 
I need wisdom. I need the, the gift of discernment. I need grace. I need more, uh, more um, of an ability to just learn learn and and more opportunities to serve him and and you know me your listeners don't know me but you know me so you know that's how I live my life and I don't say that for everyone to go oh what a humble person no I'm just doing what God sent me here to do um I'm not capable of um of ignoring people in need it's just not my nature at all um so I just want to fulfill my calling so that when I go home the Lord will look at me and say, mercy, I'm proud of you or I'm grateful to you because you did what I asked you to do. You did it. Uh, I just want to be able to continue to forgive, um, to offer forgiveness, um, to ask for um, uh, repentance when I apologize if I do something stupid because I'm a human. I, I just want to be, I just want to be more, more, um, uh, of what God wants me to be. As John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. I just pray to decrease so that the Lord can increase. Amen, amen. Your Grace, Archbishop Christine Mercy Johnson, it's always a pleasure to be with you, to learn from you, to um, to see your shining light and all the things you're doing around the world, and it just gets gets better and better and bigger. So thank you so much for being a part of the Dharmic Evolution. And uh, all I can say is God bless you. Thank you. And I say God bless you too. And please go to our website, which is worldwideanglicanchurch.org. Worldwideanglicanchurch.org. James, my brother in the Lord, thank you so much. I love you. I love you you know i do i love you and and god bless you and your family god bless everybody who is connected to you and we give the glory to the lord amen i am the alpha and the omega the first and the last the beginning and the end blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. 
He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Father, Amen. Who art in heaven, Amen. Hallowed be your name, Amen. Your kingdom come, Amen. Your will be done, Amen. On earth, Amen. As it is in heaven. Give us this day Amen. our daily bread. Amen. Forgive us our trespasses Amen. as we forgive those Amen. who trespass against us. Amen. Lead us not into temptation, Amen. but deliver us from all evil. Amen. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. 